Lord, we need you. So we invite you. You are invited to speak. You are invited to speak. Thank you, God. Amen. I have the distinct honor of being a three-time A.J. Gordon Memorial Scholarship reject. <laughs> now let me explain how that's possible. So I went to Gordon College 20 years ago. I, I started there as a freshman this fall. And Gordon, if you don't know it, is, is named after a man named A.J. Gordon. It was a minister and... Um, They have a special scholarship that's focused on future leaders. And so there's a number of students that are selected to apply, and they go to Gordon and do this group discussion, and they have to write an essay, and then they they find out if they're selected. I think it's, I don't remember how many there are, but it's a a small group of maybe like 10 to 12 students. And so as I, I, I went and applied as a freshman, I did not receive the scholarship. Well, The school also has this program called Sophomore AJ, where they select one person to add to this group uh, that's a sophomore and has demonstrated some leadership and has done well academically, so on and so forth. Well, I went in with some some credits, and so the second semester of my freshman year, I had taken uh, calculus, but I retook it my freshman year because I was a, a math major, and I was a little nervous about college and being able to hack it. So I was like, you know, I'm going to take this again. I took it in high school, but wasn't sure. So uh, I, had, I had these sophomore credits at the end of my freshman year. And so I was, I was available, to, it was available to me to apply for this sophomore AJ. And so I applied and of course, rejected. Well, when I finished my sophomore year, I was a sophomore again because I retook those courses. I didn't, they didn't count twice. And so my sophomore year, I applied a second time, was selected a third time to apply and was rejected. Now, I tell you this, this sad story. I actually got the letter and was kind of mad, and I posted it on my door just to say, triple AJ reject, you know, look at me, wonderful. Uh, I tell you this to say, oftentimes in life, we are asking ourselves the question, will I make it? Some of you, you're in, you're in college, you're in school, and you're wondering, man, am I going to be able to make the grade? Will I be able to finish my coursework by this spring and actually graduate? Maybe you started a new job recently, and you're wondering, man, you know, can, can I hack it here? Am I going to be able to excel in this, in this position? I remember it being enrolled in seminary, and it was a totally different world for me than kind of the world of math and equations and trying to write papers and read all these crazy books. And I just remember entering that and thinking, man, can I, can I handle this? Will I succeed? Will I make it to the end to earn this degree? Maybe you've started a small business and you're wondering if it's going to take off. You you, you wonder if you're going to have what it takes to get there. All of this makes me think about our faith. We ask the same questions when it comes to our relationship with God. And mainly this is the question I want to ask today. When it comes to pursuing a relationship with God, if I pursue that, will I actually get it? If I pray, if I read my Bible, you know, if I do some of these Christian things, will I actually encounter 
this God that the Bible says is real. We're in the middle of a series today called The Unsung Superhero. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and how He works with us to save this world. We're doing that by walking through Luke, and now we're in the book of Acts. We're investigating some of the major sections of that book. And here is what we're going to find in the passage today. God doesn't play favorites. But he rewards those who seek him. God does not play favorites. But when we seek him, he is a rewarder. Now, I'm going to ask you, to, if you have a Bible, to turn to Acts 10. If you don't have a Bible, pull out your phone and Google Acts 10. You're going to need to have it in front of you because it's going to be a little interactive today. I'm mixing you up a little bit, okay? Making you stand and sit and do all this weird stuff, okay? Today I'm going to have you maybe talk to somebody next to you or take a second look at this passage after I read it and, and think about some questions, okay? So we're in Acts 10. Take a second to get there. I'm going to read it. You can just listen to me now, but you're going to turn to it in just a minute, okay? This is Acts chapter 10. All right, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts of the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, you got a minute or two to look at these questions. Either think about them yourself or turn to somebody and answer these questions. Better right here. Okay, go. Got two minutes. You want to look at the passage again? Great. Talk to somebody near you. Think about it yourself. You got two minutes. You can feel free to talk out loud. Okay, you got one more minute.
All right, time's up. All right. Throw it out there. What do you see? Come on. Centurion. Yep. Obedient to the angel. Yeah, the word of the angel. Yep. All right, so Cornelius is a pretty cool guy, right? Awesome guy. Okay? God doesn't play favorites, but he rewards those who seek him. Now, just to give you a, l- a little insight here, right? memorial offering. This, that word stuck out to me when I was reading this. It, it really is talking about a memory. It's saying God remembers. He sees and everything that Cornelius has done is being remembered in heaven. The same word is only used two other places in the, in the New Testament, and that is Mary, where it says what you've done when she washes Jesus' feet will be remembered. It will be a memorial wherever the gospel is preached. Pretty strong language here. Right? So Cornelius is someone who has sought God. And we see that he is a man of faith. He's devout. And his faith is made evidence by what he does. He's, he's actively trying to connect with God. He's praying regularly. Right? He's giving to the poor. So we have two options here when we look at Cornelius. Maybe there's others. Maybe you, you talked about this, but... We either say, hey, God just divinely chose Cornelius to be the first kind of Gentile person to receive the gospel. Just, you know what, random choice, or God liked Cornelius better than everybody else. Or we say God chose to respond to Cornelius' faith and to make sure that his friend Cornelius got to hear the good news about Jesus. Now theologians go in different directions. You've got to kind of decide what you think the Bible is saying here. But this is what Hebrews 11.6 says. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Talking about God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Right? Jeremiah 29.13, very well-known verse. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Cornelius had faith. This guy was a man of faith. He prayed. He trusted that God was there. He gave to the poor, trusting that God would, was there and saw his life and saw his deeds. If there's no God, right, prayer is a huge waste of time. It is absolutely meaningless. So maybe you're floating around positive thoughts about other people in your life and you're, you're considering them. Maybe there's some small benefit there. Giving to the poor. Maybe it makes you feel a little good or makes other people think you're a cool person. But other than that, it's somewhat of a waste if it's never going to be seen by a God who is out there. If He's not. Regular prayer. That is an extreme act of faith. We're not talking about the occasional, you know, God, please get me out of this situation and then I'll X, Y, and Z. This guy believed it's, it changed his life. It changed his habits. It changed how he treated people around him. He became generous, as two of you shouted out. And did you catch that there was a devout soldier? Interesting, 
What's up with that? Why does it mention that? There's something going on with the whole world around this guy Cornelius that is being transformed. These soldiers were sent here and there by whoever. You know, maybe this guy came through and he had faith and Cornelius said, hey, me too, let's be buddies. I kind of like to think that his world was being affected all around him. And this guy maybe even started to believe in God because he saw the righteous life of Cornelius before him. Turned his heart. Here's the deal, guys. God doesn't play favorites. He rewards those who seek him. In his book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, a man named Nabil Qureshi details his journey of growing up in a Muslim family and then seeking God and wanting to know God and ending up finding Jesus. And part of his journey early on, he, he tells the story of how he was at this large gathering of, of, uh, of Muslims, just this kind of you know, big religious kind of family training gathering. And there was a friend there that he wanted to connect with, and uh, he just, this was before kind of the age of cell phones. He just didn't know how to find him. And in this, in this journey of kind of seeking God and wanting to know the truth, he just calls out to God, whoever the God is that's there, right, and says, God, you know, help. I really want to find this friend. Please help me. And before his eyes, he sees this rainbow path appear, just right like in the sky, but just low enough that you can just see it. And he just is like, wow, that's weird, and just starts to follow it and leads him right to his friend. These thousands of people, never, you know, no chance to find this guy. And it just was this sign to him that, okay, God can hear me when I pray. It was another small step in this journey of coming to know Jesus. And it was years past that that it took him to actually, you know, put his faith in Jesus. But, guys, God rewards those that seek him. He doesn't play favorites. He's not trying to hide himself from us. He's always there, never leaving our side, always wanting us to know that he's with us. But he rewards us when we seek him. All right, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as, all, as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guests. All right, we've got two more minutes, two more questions. Take another look at this passage. 
What do you notice about Peter? What's this telling you about God? You got one more minute. Okay, throw it out there. Peter, what's Luke highlighting here? Devout. Okay, doubts? Okay, three's an important number in his life, isn't it? Yeah. Anything else? Anything about God? Speaks our language. Amen. Come on, the timing is impeccable. What's this question? Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's great. God doesn't play favorites. But he rewards those who seek him. It's just interesting to me that Peter went up on the roof to pray at noon. He was done with his morning devos, right? I mean, check that off his list for the day. Went up on the roof to pray at noon. That just, that just strikes me. This is more than just a little part of his life. This often happens. You get hungry when you pray, Okay. It's this crazy vision that happens three times. He's speaking his language. He knows he needs a, a very strong word here. And then the Lord tells him, Peter, okay, stop thinking about the vision. There's people here. This is connected. You know, one thing I just want to mention in this is we're talking about seeking God, right? Rewarding those who seek him. We live a busy life. We live a very busy existence. And part of that is just the culture is imposing that on us. You know, you, you say, okay, boss, I'm going to go up on the roof to pray for an hour during lunch, you know? That may not always fly, okay? You got a 20-minute lunch break or what? Who knows? Seeking God often means silence, solitude, and stillness. 
That is hard to come by when my phone's buzzing, and now my watch is buzzing, right? These are difficult things, but man, we see that all through Scripture, the importance of those things in seeking God. Jesus goes off, he says often he would go off by himself to pray. Daniel, right, praying three times a day. Anna, or Anna, however you want to pronounce her name. It's always in the temple, worshiping and praising God and praying. And now we see another person, Peter, and I'm sure there's many others. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, you know, Sean Brennan, as we talked about, is going to Indonesia this summer basically to seek God. He's going to be spending hours and hours in prayer. And who's going to benefit from that? Well, all those teams and the Indonesians around him, but Sean is. God is going to reward that. He's going to pour out blessings on Sean because Sean is seeking him. Now, a huge part of that is on behalf of others, but it doesn't matter. God's not splicing things out like that. When we seek the Lord, we get him. We get him. He's not holding back himself from us. Charles Finney is known as the, as the father of modern revivalism. And uh, depending on what you think about him, there's, there's, lots of, there's lots of thoughts. Some people are pretty pro-Finney. Other people are very, very critical of him and his methods. But there's the story goes of kind of the, the way that he, he got into ministry. On October 10th, 1821, he was a lawyer by trade. He went out into the woods seeking God. He said he just had to know that he was God's child. He was seeking the Lord. He went out into the woods to be by himself. He said, I will give my heart to God or I will never come down from there. Bring to this woods. It might have been up on a hill or something. He spent several hours out there until he came back to his office. And then the Holy Spirit just invaded his room. He said he just he felt uh, waves of liquid love go just over and over again through his body. And that propelled him into a life of ministry. God does not play favorites. He rewards those who seek him. Last section. The next day, Peter started out, this is the second half of verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Even though he kind of has an objection, right? May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Interesting, he was praying too, right, at that that moment. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. I love this. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. God doesn't play favorites. He rewards those who seek him. Now here's the beauty in this passage. It is the gospel. God wants a relationship with you. With everyone. But there was a problem. We broke that relationship. When we chose to hurt other people. To hurt God. To hurt this planet. That's what the Bible calls sin. It's when we do harm to this world. We do harm to people around us. We hurt God. But God didn't leave us there. Jesus entered the darkness of this world so that he could redeem it and restore it. He became a man so that he could gain access to death and the God-given authority that he gave man and was unwilling to take back. He gave this planet to people in Adam and Eve. they they, They gave that authority away to the devil. It was only a man that could take that authority back. And so Jesus, in becoming a man, is able to take the authority back from the devil because this planet is ours. It belongs to us. God became a man to get that back and to gain access to death. And when Jesus was killed, as Peter said, they killed him, right? He took all of the evil, the sin, everything that's bad about this world, sickness, death, and buried it in the grave. And then God raised him from the dead to defeat darkness forever. And then, right, through that death, Peter says, we receive the forgiveness of sins if we believe in Jesus. And not only that, but we receive the Holy Spirit so that we are free from the power of sin in our lives. Right? And then we can, as people whose planet this is, along with the help of God, which we absolutely need, restore this world and bring more and more people into relationship with God. That's the gospel. It's really good news. It says that God loves us. It says that Jesus is Lord, and it says that his spirit is in us. And anyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. Right? 
All it takes is you saying, Jesus, forgive me. I want your forgiveness. I believe in you. I want to follow you, and you're in the family. God doesn't play favorites. He rewards those that seek him. He always moves towards an open heart. He's always standing, Jesus says, at the door knocking, wanting to come in, if we would let him in. And that was written to Christians, right? He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, i got to answer this question. What's with the weird order of the Spirit coming on these new believers? Okay? feels like in every chapter it's different. Okay? People say all kinds of things about this. This is what I think is going on there. You feel, can you feel the, the, the racism in this passage? Peter needs a vision three times. Hello? It was a vision. You'd think once was enough. Then the Spirit says, Peter, go downstairs. These guys. And then he shows up. He's like, well, I'm not really supposed to be here. But God kind of told me, so I'm kind of tolerating being in the presence of Gentiles right now. You know, you feel it all through this passage. And then they're astonished when they receive the Holy Spirit. You, I mean, you've got to kind of understand, these were God's chosen people, right? The one kind of family on earth that was, had a relationship with the Almighty God of the universe. You can understand why they felt a little bit like everybody else was kind of less than them. Okay? Jesus himself was Jewish. Okay? This is a big barrier, okay? This, this, this racist barrier that God's trying to overcome. You can see it throughout the passage. So I think, this is my suspicion, they weren't going to baptize him. They're questioning, they're like, well, I guess we have to baptize him now because they have the Holy Spirit. So the water was kind of just a symbol of that, so this is just a ceremony now, right? I mean, it is a symbol anyways, but I think the point of the order of, you know, Peter says, hey, in Acts 2, right, the Spirit falls, they preach, he says, hey, repent, confess your sin, receive forgiveness, get baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we saw in Acts chapter 8, it was a little bit different order, there was this delay. That was so that the apostles would see, wow, the Holy Spirit loves Samaritans too, right? Half-breeds. Now we've gone to God-fearing Gentiles, and that's a huge wall for them. And so the Spirit just comes and anoints these people as they're believing without them having to even lay their hands on or anything. It just, boom, Spirit falls, and they're like, well, I guess they're believers too. Okay, great. Let's baptize them, okay? The orders are a little weird. For us, it's, hey, when you believe, you get the Holy Spirit, okay? Holy Spirit comes and joins you. You're one with God. And then we're working that out to understand what that really means. That's what's going on in this kind of funky order, I think, Okay? because of this, this huge barrier of racism that God is working to overcome. So here's the thing that, we, that I, I sense the Lord is speaking to us today. It's actually the reverse of what's going on in this passage. Yes, sometimes we want to push people away, and of course there's still racism in our country. We're working through that. Okay? There's a huge deal of the church. And actually, Charles Finney was a, a, a huge guy in you know, supporting, uh, well, whatever. We won't get into that. Okay? Slavery and all that stuff. Awesome, awesome man. We turn it on ourselves. We look to our left and we look to our right and say, you know what? God will probably reward that person if they pray and seek me, but man, he is not going to show up if I seek him. We somehow think that everyone else is God's favorite but me. We turn it against ourselves. Right? The, the lie that we often believe is that somehow I am unfavored. Because of what I've done in my life, the, the, the ways I've screwed up, you know, the, the amount of days I haven't you know, had a quiet time, or you know, 
that somehow if I, if I do pursue God, he's, he's not going to show up. Or maybe you, you tried to pursue him in the past and you were disappointed with what happened. The belief in this lie may be the very thing that's causing the problem in your relationship with God. Because it's actually putting God in a bad light. It's saying that he plays favorites. The truth is, God, you, you heard it. I'm not making this up. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And that's not saying you're earning your salvation, okay? You know, read the book of James. It's all connected, right? When we believe, it, it walks out in, in what we do. Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Whoever would come to him, would draw near to him, must believe that he exists and he rewards those that, what? That seek him, right? It's all connected. God wants us to believe that he is good to me. That he will reward me because he loves me. Because that is the gospel. Because that is the gospel. God doesn't show favorites, right? He doesn't show favorites. He loves you. He is good to you. He is working things for you on your behalf. But when we believe that lie about ourselves that also puts God in a bad light, it blocks things, right? God is after a relationship with you. That is what he wants above all else. He wants you to enjoy him every day of your life, to hear his voice, to enjoy just the amazingness of Jesus, his kindness, his nearness in every moment, to know that there's wisdom of heaven available to you if you seek him. And listen, it's a promise in the Bible, right? Now, the reward is not necessarily certain gifts, right? Although God encourages us to pursue those and ask for them. It's not necessarily huge results, you know, so that we'll see, you know, thousands and thousands of people will come to know Jesus or, you know, but, you know, oftentimes there is some kind of connection there. The reward is God, right? The reward is God, and he is the best reward. He's the treasure hidden in the field. He is amazing. Knowing God is it. You have arrived. You know God, right? The reward is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you guys are all evil, and you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will the, will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Right? And it means you will become more like Jesus. That's the reward. Yesterday, Jade and I spent the morning and early afternoon at walking around Maudsley State Park. Terrible. I got married there, Okay. It's an awesome park along the Merrimack River, and we had a little picnic, and then the kids fell asleep in the car on the way home, so Jade and I was like, let's go for ice cream, right? <laughs> Only have to buy two, okay? A little cheaper. They're sleeping. They never found out. <laughs> so it was awesome. And while Jay, was, Jay went to get the ice cream, I stayed in the car with the kids, and uh, it's cool. We went to White Farms in Ipswich, and they have on the board, I don't know if I hadn't noticed this before, I just noticed again, like, in each tag that has the flavor written in black, behind it, they have, a, they have the color of the base of the ice cream, right? So if it's a white one, you know it's like a white base. And if it's chocolate colored, then it's chocolate base with whatever the toppings are that are mixed in. If it's, you know, strawberry colored or whatever that is, right? You get, you get what I'm saying, okay? Maybe I'm just obtuse and I never really noticed that before, okay? It's like, oh, there's colors. That's why that's that color, okay? But I just was thinking this morning as I was thinking about this, like, God 
favors every flavor. Everyone is his favorite. Now, that's probably not true. Jesus probably doesn't have a favorite ice cream flavor, right? He may have if you took him out to ice cream, okay? My point is this. We are all a favorite. You are God's favorite. He doesn't show favoritism because you're his favorite, right? You all are. Everyone is. God rewards us when we seek him, but that's our thing. He's always pursuing us, but we have the choice to say, doors closed, Jesus, keep knocking. I'm not hearing you, do, 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 right? I don't believe you really love me. I'm going to be passive-aggressive towards you, right? That is what we have to overcome. The lie that I'm not a favorite. The lie that if I seek God, He's not going to show up, so why bother? Sometimes it is really hard because life is hard and the whole world wants to scream, God's bad and He hates you. Or He's not there. Look at your life. How could He permit all these things happening? The reason is love. The reason is love. The reason that there's bad things in the world is actually because of love. It's because God made us free. And if there's no freedom, there's no love. And oftentimes we choose bad and that hurts other people in terrible ways. But God is there, guys. You are his favorite. God doesn't show favoritism, right? He rewards those who seek him. The Holy Spirit's here, and He is available. He is looking for people to cooperate with Him who love God and make God's interests their interest. If we seek God, we will find Him. He will give us more of Himself. Let's do it. Let's encourage one another to seek God. That looks different for everybody. right? Ask the Lord what that is for you. Let's have the band come back up, and let's do that right now. So let's pray. I'm going to give you a second of reflection as the the band is getting ready. Jesus, first question. What is causing me to believe that I'm not your favorite? Would you ask him that right now and listen? Second question, God, how are you asking me to seek you? What's the next step? What does it look like for me to pursue you in this season of my life? Give you a minute to reflect on that and ask the Lord that question and listen, and then the band's going to play. Stand and sing if you'd like in just a minute.